crime in me. I've diagnosed some people. I think it's been pretty accurate. Definitely done my fair share of psychiatry work. I've prescribed a few pills, you know. Crime in me. We are in no way responsible for the things that come out of our mouths. We are not experts, although we may claim to be, so don't take anything that we say too literally. We are not laughing at the crimes, we are laughing at each, each other! other. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Criminy. We're your hosts, Matt and Ange, and we're here to tell you some more fucked up shit. And we have our microphones on now, so yes, you can listen. <laughs> yes, we just recorded with our microphones off. We that are so, so smart. <laughs> I was like, oh no, it's happening again. <laughs> <laughs> it's not recording. <laughs> okay, so shall we just jump right in? Yeah, tell me something I want to hear. I'm going to tell you a crazy story. Okay. So I got my information from an article on CBS, MSN. Oh, the CBS one was a 48 hours video. Oh. In case you haven't seen the show. And then I got like on this whole loop of 48 hours where it would just like play the next one. And I was like, well, I guess I could watch another one. <laughs> just one more. I'll just watch it. Oh, it started already. I might as well like keep going. <laughs> I'm already invested. And then there was a website called heavy.com that mm. I got some information from. I don't know. Heavy. So, Mary Louise Day was born in Little Falls, New York on February 19th, 1968 to Charles Day and Charlotte Pressler. Charlie Day. I know. <laughs> I know. So weird. Love him. She was the first. Uh, yeah. I don't. This Charles Day, I don't really know much about, mm -hmm. so I don't know. Okay. But she was the first of three daughters. In 1981, the family lived in Seaside, California, mm -hmm. when Mary was 13 years old. So one day, while they were in Seaside, Mary disappeared. Uh-oh. No one reported her missing. Uh-oh. And nobody looked into it until 1994. Excuse when me? Her until years later? Yeah. In 1994, her sister Sherry turned 18, and she reported her sister Mary missing because oh. she'd always wondered what had happened to her sister. And since no one ever reported it, police never looked into it. And she was like, what the fuck happened? Yeah. What did happen? But so she reported it in 1994. The case wasn't actually like looked at until until 2002. What? Yeah, I don't know. What is Maybe happening, like Seaside? I don't know. You wouldn't think there'd be that much happening right. in Seaside. Like, well, finally, like something to do. Base, but, yeah. <laughs> so, Detective Joe Bertana was put on the missing persons case, and he didn't have that much to go on. Mm -hmm. He knew that Sherry was 10 when Mary went missing, and the family was very dysfunctional. Mary, Sherry, and their sister, Barry. Kathy. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I know. Well, they messed up. <laughs> Could have been Carrie, but Mary, no, Sherry, Kathy. and Carrie. Kathy. <laughs> they were in and out of foster care oh. all the time. 
their mom was having their parents were like struggling to take care of them. Okay. Uh, and one of the times that the girls went to foster care, Charlotte divorced Charles and Sherry was adopted by a foster family. Just Sherry? Just Sherry. Weird. So in 1960, in 1976, Mary and Kathy were returned to their mother. What? But Sherry had like a family now. That's fucking know. weird. It's really weird. But the 70s, man. Who? And Sherry, you know, was, like, Sherry was the middle child? I think she was. I think she was. I'm not 100% sure yeah. the order of birth. I just know that Mary was the oldest. Right. But yeah, that's weird. weird. Uh-huh. Well, because they probably sent them to different families, right? right? And then the one family that got Sherry loved her and adopted her. I don't know. I don't know if so, that's how that works, but okay. I don't know. I don't know. The 70s, man. Yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> so Mary and Kathy, when they went to live with their mother, their mother had married a soldier named William Hewell. And they had had two children of their own, Billy Jean and William Jr. Oh, okay. Surprise. We can't take care of these kids. Let's have some more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, she well she got married right. to someone else. Right. So, but still. You, know, you just know. pop those babies out. Oh, jeez. Vasectomies, gentlemen. Vasectomies, please. Thank you. Jeez. <laughs> I know. I don't know why I would say this every time. <laughs> no one's getting it. God. Go get it. Come on. Okay. It's like a 15 minute procedure. <laughs> you sit down for two days and heal up and you're good to go. Ice your balls. You're fine. You're fine. Okay. God. So. Do not need family- more babies. And it doesn't like fuck up with your hormones and like make no. you feel awful no. and whatever else that hormonal birth control In fact, does. I'm sure so- it makes you feel better because you know you can't accidentally get someone pregnant and ruin your life and have to pay for, for a child. That's right. Except for rare cases when they reverse themselves or whatever. I don't know. I, don't but- th- I mean, I'm pretty sure that's like super rare. Yeah, for sure. It's a lot more rare than having negative side effects to a hormonal birth control. Yeah. And that's our PSA for this week. So snip it, gentlemen. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Snip it or ticket. What's it? Click it or ticket. (laughs) Snip it or baby. Or baby. (laughs) Yikes. Snip it or baby, guys. (laughs) Okay. So since William was a soldier, obviously the family moved around a lot, as military Mm. families do. They went to base to base. When Mary and Kathy were returned home, William started physically abusing Mary. There aren't reports about the other kids being hurt, just of Mary being hurt. And it got so bad that when the family was deployed to Hawaii in December of 1980, Child Protective Services, as it was called then, Mm -hmm. Child Welfare Services now, Mm -hmm. took Mary out of the home. And then the rest of the family went to Seaside California, and then for some reason, they sent Mary back to her family in California. Oh, wait, they went to Hawaii? You said seaside. Yeah, no, no, they were in Hawaii. Mary was taken out of the family. Then the family moved to seaside, and then they sent her to seaside to rejoin them, even though the abuse was so bad that she was taken out of the home. And this family has already a history with CPS, with the previous stuff. Right, like the foster care system. Yeah. Yeah, so why wouldn't you just place her there 
But anyway, and that was in December of 1980. And then Mary went missing in, I think, summer of 1981. Mm -mm. So they should just like kept her out of the family. Yeah. But aren't they? They're usually trying to keep people in their families. Well, this is the late 70s, Mm -hmm. early 80s. So I don't know if that was still their. I don't know if that was like their goal. I mean. I, I would assume it would be. And then they see like, oh, she's no longer married to this other person. She's with like a quote unquote stable, like she's got like stable income or whatever, like their military family. So they're being taken care of. They have a paycheck. Maybe it's different. They have two other kids. Yeah, but Mary was removed because William, the new dad, right. was abusing right. her. Okay. So why would they like send her back to that family? Eh, you know, maybe she... And why would they adopt out one of the girls? That's if they're like trying to keep the family together. A very weird part to me. I don't. The seventies don't make sense. <laughs> what was happening? I don't know. Okay, I'll stop trying to make sense of it. Yeah, it just doesn't. None of it makes sense. So, the night that Mary disappeared, Kathy remembered that they had been left at home while the rest of the family went out to dinner. What? I don't know why. And then when the rest of the family came back, William saw that his dog was really sick and dying. What? So he accused Mary immediately of poisoning the dog. And then he started like yelling at the girls. So he's like, obviously, he doesn't think of these two other girls as part of his family. They're just like not because, you know, they're not his kids and they're not. Well, I think he was directing most of it at Mary for whatever reason. Like Mary was the one that got like the the violence and the Mm -hmm. abuse because i don't know that the other i don't remember kathy ever saying anything that had happened to her but for some reason it was like always mary Mm. so he was like yelling and kathy remembered the yelling and she was like really scared and mary was upset and then william hit mary and she started bleeding i think out of her mouth oh and then and then like kathy just remembered then after that mary was gone Uh. and no one said anything Okay. No one reported her missing. No one went looking for her. Her mother just said that she ran away so many times that she just, there wasn't like a point to trying to keep her home because she just like kept running away. And at this point, how old was Mary? Do you know? 13. Well, I mean, okay. I was going to be like, eh, maybe she's like a teenager and she's like out and you know, always out, but 13, come on, that's a baby. Well, and the other part of it is like, if your daughter is constantly running away, uh, wouldn't you take that as a sign that maybe home life kind of sucks for her doesn't and you like find like, ways to like make it better? I mean, it doesn't really seem like the mom cares much about what the kids think or are doing since yeah, well, even clearly. before this dude, there was a reason that the kids were taken away from her yeah, and her ex. True. So, so one, like they think that Mary's disappearance wasn't reported because at the time Mary was receiving checks from the government because her father had died in an accident. So for some reason the government was giving them like social security checks and mysteriously the checks had still continued to be cashed even after she disappeared because her family was stealing her social security money. Well, she would have wanted them to have it, you know, she, I mean, she ran away so many times. Yeah, it's like she just like left the money, so no big deal. Yeah, we've been paying for a roof over her head for how many? For thirteen years, she could at least give us her paycheck. I mean, she has to like help pay the the rent yeah. or mortgage or whatever. So the least she could do. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> okay, so 
To add to the difficulty of tracking Mary, so now we're in 2002, not only has she been missing for... Since she was 13. Since she was 13, and um, no one, there was no police report, there's nothing to go off of, all there is is the sister being like, hey, my sister Mary disappeared, like, forever ago. The other difficulty was that Mary was never enrolled in schools in California. Oh, good. And the neighbors, like, didn't remember the family really being there and Seaside either because, I mean, people are moving in and out all the time and they didn't, they just didn't remember. They're like, we kind of remember, like, a family being here. We don't know, like, how many kids they had or we don't really remember, like, Mary in particular. And when Kathy asked her mom what had happened to Mary, like, the next day after Mary disappeared, her mother told her that she ran away and that she was never supposed to ask about her sister ever again. Uh... uh okay mom that sounds totally normal yeah and then at some point the family was moved again and they moved to new york and while they were there sherry went on a visit to the family and i think she like stayed there at least overnight she stayed there for a bit and then she asked she asked her sister kathy what happened to mary Uh, and kathy told her they weren't allowed to talk about it She's like, oh, I finally get She's to like, see my family don't talk about again. It. We're not allowed. I'm going to go hang out with my bio family. Mm-hmm. Wait a second. Didn't I have another sister? Mm-hmm. Ugh. And then Sherry also mentioned that her mother would like often casually tell her that there are a lot of places in California that you can bury a body <gasps> where it wouldn't ever be found. So What a weird Sherry thing to started- say. <laughs> to your children to anyone like, how, but to your how's children. your cereal you want some more milk did you know that in california there's a ton of places you could bury dead people and no one would ever find them enjoy your cheerios mm, want a banana <laughs> <laughs> shit so obviously sherry started to suspect that something had happened to mary that she didn't just run away yeah yeah uh, to add to this suspicion, there was a spot in the backyard of the seaside home that the children were not allowed to go after Mary was missing. Uh, the parents were like, you cannot be in this part of the backyard. Don't talk about Mary. Don't go in that yeah. random part. That is the perfect yeah. part for burying a dead body. Don't go over there. Yeah. So in 2003, 22 years after Mary had disappeared, the police obviously went to that house. Uh-huh. And I think it was, I don't remember if it was Kathy or Sherry. One of them like went on a tour of the house basically and was like, I remember this happening here. Then they like went out to the backyard and she's like, this is the area that we weren't allowed to play in. It was like under a tree. So then the police brought in cadaver dogs. Uh They brought in four different dogs at four separate times Mm -hmm. to see, like, if they would match on, like, a certain spot. And each of the four dogs hit on one particular spot under a tree in the backyard. Labeled, good place to bury a body that no one would look. It was the same spot that Sherry or Kathy said they weren't allowed to go. Shit. I guess it must have been Kathy. So then, obviously, they started digging. They're like, we've solved it. Like, this is it. We're going to find her body. Uh-oh. So they dig and dig and dig. And then they find a little girl's canvas shoe, like a ked, uh-huh. basically. Kind of like, it's like deteriorating. Right. But it's like really small. And then they're like, oh, my God, for sure she's like, here, we found a shoe. Like, uh-huh. for sure she's here. But they kept digging and digging and they never found a body. Just a shoe, a lone shoe buried. Yeah. Yeah. 
But the fact that four different cadaver dogs had hit on that spot, they knew that a body had to have been there. At some point, and then maybe moved. Right, but then moved. So the detectives tracked down Mary's parents in Kansas. Her stepfather had since left the military and was working as a corrections officer Mm, at a prison. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Lovely. Mm -hmm. And he and Charlotte were still together. Mm -hmm. Romantic. And in April 2003, Charlotte agreed to be interviewed by the police. The police felt like during the interview that she wanted to tell them something, but she was holding back. She said that Mary ran away so many times that it wasn't that big of a deal. Oh. And she said that they should have tried to find her and that her husband said that they had filed a police report with the Salinas Police Department, but that she didn't remember doing that. And there is no record that Bitch, there was ever a police you're report You're the filed. mother. Mm-hmm. Like, what? You're just like, uh, I'm pretty sure we filed a police report. Uh, yeah. What? And then when they asked her why she hadn't tried to find her daughter, she told them, and I quote, if she's dead, she's dead. Wow. I, it just like exudes motherly love. Yeah. She's so maternal. It's amazing. She's like, that bitch has been gone for years. She ran away. If she had wanted to be mm-hmm. home, she would be home. Mm-hmm. If she's dead, she's dead. Oh, well. <sighs> Horrible. Then they asked Mary's stepfather during an interview about the last time that he saw Mary. Mm -hmm. And his story was that they had gotten home that night and he went to check on the kids and Mary wasn't in her bed. Mm -hmm. So he panicked and told Charlotte and she panicked. And the detectives were like, well, why are you panicking if she runs away all the time? It's like not a big deal. And he didn't really have an answer for that. And then the detective asked about, like, the the dog being sick on that night. And then he said Mary had poisoned his dog and that he got really mad. Like, at first he leaves this out of the story. And then they, like, ask him. And then he's like, well, she poisoned my dog. And then he said that she tried to run out of the house, but he caught her before she could leave. And then she was, like, kicking and punching. So he said that he pushed her. Uh-huh. And while he's describing that happening, he's making this kind of, like, choking gesture with his hand. Like, he, like... Uh-huh. It's, like, weird. I pushed so detective, her neck with my hands, and she right, fell so the, onto a knife or something. <laughs> yeah, so the detective recognized the gesture as a martial arts technique. Oh, And he asked where he hit Mary like that. Uh-huh. And he said that he hit her in the upper chest. And then the detective, like like you were saying, he was like, well, you know, could you have ac- actually, like, hit her in the throat? Like, maybe your hand slipped and you, like... Or he was like, could you have actually, like, hit her in the throat instead of the upper chest? And then William said, oh, well, my hand may have slipped, like, from her upper chest, like, and then gone to her throat. Mm-hmm. And then... Yeah, because the when you make, like, a clawing, like, hand... You're generally yeah. just going after the chest because that's usually what like you're gonna. That's that what you can grab onto because your chest any area sense. is so small yeah. that you just like what. <laughs> or when you push, like you push with like a flat hand. Yeah. You know, you're not pushing with your fingertips or whatever. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So then, the detective Bertina said, uh, on a scale of one to ten, how mad are you? How mad were you at Mary? And he said that he was a 15. Oh, shit. So the detective was like, okay, well, if you're that mad, you could have killed her. Yes. Right? 
And then William replied that he did not kill Mary, uh-huh. but that his wife said Uh-oh. that that night she saw Satan in his eyes. Uh-oh. And that he was possessed by the devil. Okay. Oh, he didn't kill her. The devil killed her. So the detective, being clever, was like, okay, well, if you didn't kill her, Mm -hmm. like you just said, Mm -hmm. could the demon inside of you maybe killed Mary? And he said, yes. (laughs) So obviously, William became the prime suspect. Mm -hmm. But the DNA didn't want to prosecute at that point. He basically, like, admitted to killing her, but the DA was like, I'm going to pass. Well, I mean, because they don't really have much evidence yet. It's just, like, that he's saying it, and they don't have a body, and they don't, like, it's a flimsy case. I think the DA usually brings a case to court when they know they can win it. Yeah, it's a winner. It's, like, they need to know that they can win. Yeah, so at this point, it's like, well, I mean, yeah, we believe that he probably killed her, but... How are you going to convince a jury of that without evidence? Right. So the detectives kept looking into it, and there was no trace for Mary for decades. No IDs, no mm-hmm. school records, no arrests, no sign until November 2003. Nine months after the police interviewed Charlotte and William, police in Phoenix, Arizona made a traffic stop. They pulled over a pickup truck with stolen plates. They ran the IDs of the people in the truck, and one of the passengers had an Arizona ID card with the name Mary Day. What? The card had been issued three weeks earlier. Uh, uh-huh. Mm, clever. The Arizona police obviously called the CA police, and they were like, we found Mary Day. <laughs> or and an the imposter. detectives were like, what the fuck? Like, how has this happened? We've been looking for her for months. We talked to the parents. Then three weeks later, mm. she applies for a, an ID card. And then we, like, catch her at a traffic stop. Like, Does what are the chances? Mary Day look just like Charlotte? What, you think she's going to... She thinks she's the imposter? Well, like, I think she's way she's older. Like, fuck, I got it. We're, like, maybe one of the other kids. I don't know. I'm just like you got to go use you got to go get pulled over somewhere so that Well you the can... Sherry and Kathy are both like really want to f- they both really want to find no, out I'm what happened. No, talking about to their the sisters. other kids. Not... I think they're both boys. Oh. Well, wigs. <laughs> so, or one's like Billie Jean, I don't know. Anyway, Billie Jean's a girl name. I guess so. I think it was Billie Jean. I don't know. Anyway, so they the Arizona police send a picture to the California police and the California police are like this could be her. What? It kind of it kind of looks like it could be her. So then Detective Bertana went to Arizona to talk to the woman who said that she was Mary Day. Mm-hmm. She said that she had run away from her mother Charlotte and stepfather William <laughs> when she was a teenager and that she had lived under the radar ever since. <laughs> she told the detectives about some horrible memories that she had had. She said that she remembered that her stepfather had hit her head against the tub and the coffee table. Where is a 13-year-old going to run to and then stay under the radar? How is that possible? 
I don't know. But then and then she said that she may have blacked out that night, but she didn't remember the whole dog incident. Mm. So detectives were kind of like, I don't know. And it was also really hard to trace like where she had been the past 22 years, Mm -hmm. because like I said, there were no records at all of her. And she did like a really good job of staying under the radar, which I mean, I don't think it was like that hard back then to stand under the radar like nowadays it's way harder for but. sure because everyone posts pictures of everything and videos of everything and gps tracking and cell phone towers and well yeah you're recorded always like um, doing everything all the time okay but like are you gonna tell me that they finally do a dna test because so <laughs> they were really suspicious yeah and they wanted to get a dna test right to prove who she really was the DNA test came back that she was a daughter of Charlotte's. What? So then Is during this, this time, Larry or Carrie? So during this time, Sherry asked Mary to move in with her. And once Mary moved in, Sherry started to doubt. So they called her Phoenix Mary because, she you know, they were kind of suspicious. Oh, she no, still, her name is Mary Day. The police still refer to her Mary. as Phoenix okay, Mary. Gotcha. Everyone refers to her as Phoenix Mary because they're like, this woman says she's Mary Day. She's the Phoenix version. We don't know if she's like uh-huh. the OG Mary Day. So while Phoenix Mary was living with Sherry, Sherry had some some doubts. Mm-hmm. She said that Mary had this weird accent, like she was from the South. <laughs> and... Detectives noticed it, too. She has, like, this intense southern drawl. And she told detectives that... Or Phoenix Mary told the detectives that she had been going by the name Monica Devereaux. And she had given up the name Mary a long time ago. I'm sorry. So this 13-year-old in California is like, I'm running away. Somehow ends up in the south, deep south, enough to get an accent? Mm Mm-hmm. With what money? How is she doing this? This makes no sense. So Kathy also was kind of suspicious as to whether or not Phoenix Mary was the real Mary. Mm -hmm. So she said that, okay, so the three, the three daughters, their father left them an inheritance that they were able to collect at the age 18. And it was like, it it was like their escape plan. They had always talked about it. Like someday when we're 18, we can get this money and like leave this place. And they had like a code word for it. Their code word was Mohawk. (sighs) And they would just like always refer to it. But then she like asked Mary because Mary had never touched the inheritance. Uh And she was like, Hey, do you remember, do you remember the fact that you have an inheritance or do you remember the code word that we had for it? And she didn't. Mm-mm. And then, if that's your like one escape plan, and you guys have been talking about it forever, there's no way you would forget that. But then Mary emailed the detective Bertana, and she said something like, basically, like I'm living a lie. Mm-hmm. But the case remained closed because they're like, look, we found this woman. She says her name's Mary Day. She has the same Good DNA enough. as her mother. We like we have nothing to go on. We have like nothing to go on. So then in 2008 at Fort Orr, where William had been stationed after the seaside. No, they were living in seaside. And mm-hmm. then he like moved to the like Fort Orr compound or whatever. Okay. Uh, the... The 
soldiers or whatever they are at Fort Orr mm -hmm. were investigating a different case when they brought in cadaver dogs and the dogs hit on a home that William and the family had lived right after they moved, right after Mary had disappeared. Why are you guys, why are all your houses smelling like corpses? What is happening, mm -hmm. guys? So they were like, finally, we've got something. Yeah, mm -hmm. two dead bodies. What <laughs> the fuck? So they kept, they dug and dug and dug, but still they found no body. Mm. So the detective hired Mark Clark. Mark Clark. <laughs> Who was, uh, he was like a former detective, I think. And then I think he became like a, um, a private detective. Oh. What's it called? Private investigator? Yeah. Private investigator. Yeah. That's it. So Mark Clark, he thought that there was a murder. Mark Clark, like, P.I. Yeah, I like that better. Because, I mean, the cadaver dogs hit on two different homes. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. And after Mary disappeared, the family tore up her pictures and threw away her clothes. Remember, we're not talking about her anymore. Plus, William being like, "Oh, well the demon inside me could have murdered her." But it's like, yeah, if you if your 13-year-old daughter is a constant runaway and she like runs away and you just like destroy everything, well, cuz you're pretty sure if she's, she's not dead, coming she's back. She's dead. Right. So then um Mark Clark asked Kathy about the shoe that had been found at the initial seaside home. Yeah. And Kath, he was like, did you guys used to wear like canvas shoes? And Kathy's like, oh, we used to wear Keds all the time. Uh -huh. And it was like basically a Ked. So he's like, hmm. And he also worked for the body farm uh -huh. who they're like a group of smarties who study the decomposition of bodies yeah so they took soil samples and found chemicals that are consistent with human decomposition mm. in the yard so they knew that a body had been there like a human body had <sighs> been there so mark clark believes that mary was killed the summer of 1981 mm -hmm. and that phoenix mary was an imposter yep. He thought that Charlotte had had a secret daughter mm -hmm. born before Mary and given her up at birth and then and then got in contact with this daughter somehow and was like, hey, you can have the inheritance that Mary's right. father left behind, which at this point with interest was about $60,000. Nice. He also looked into Charlotte's past and she had been married multiple times and she had had affairs uh -huh. during those marriages and she got pregnant from those affairs. Well, I was going to say with so, all her other kids, she seems like a very fertile woman. <laughs> this is like, yeah, she probably had more kids and they didn't do because I'm assuming that Sherry and I want to say Carrie, Kathy. but I know. That's I know. Right. I Sherry knew you were going to say Carrie. <laughs> I'm assuming that they're full-blooded siblings of mary so like yeah so why wouldn't they compare their dna why would they compare the mom's dna why wouldn't they like in theory she should have the same dna as her sisters because i think i think it works a little differently if you don't if you can't get charles day's dna because he's dead yeah I think they probably just did like the mitochondrial dna or something yeah. to find out if they were related right. to because I think it's hard to match it if you don't have... I mean, because, yeah, we, like us being siblings, we would have really similar DNA. Mm -hmm. But it's like still different because we're different. We're not identical twins. We're not? Like it would be kind of hard. <laughs> I feel like this whole time. <laughs> I 
thought we were identical. Oh, no. Hate to break it to you, but you were actually adopted. No, it's okay. I always thought I was adopted. (laughs) No, you never thought you were adopted. You thought you were an alien from outer space and that mom and dad kidnapped you from your spaceship. Uh, So... Kidnapped, that out there. adopted, you know, same <laughs> same genre. Same difference when <laughs> aliens are involved. <laughs> anyway, mm-hmm. we don't have to talk about my okay. <laughs> weirdness. <laughs> anyway, so they thought that they thought that uh, Charlotte had gotten in contact with Phoenix Mary yep. and was like, "Hey, I just need this investigation to end. Just go get an ID card and and there's money in it for you." Yeah. Right. So the accent was also like super weird yeah. because they like asked, they asked some kind of like accent expert. I don't really know what he was, but he was like, if you have an accent like that, you would have to grow up in the South during your formative years right. to like pick it up basically because it was such like a thick accent. And they did spend like some time in the South, but they didn't spend like a lot of time in the South when they were growing up. They would just go for like a year or whatever. Yeah, If she didn't have an accent by the time she was 13. Yeah. Not going to just get an accent. But I feel like, I don't know. I feel like people can. Mm, I don't know. Let's move to a different English speaking country with an accent and see if we live there long enough. If we develop that accent. I've always wanted a British accent. See, you could totally pull it off. <laughs> also, like in Phoenix, like I don't know how long she was in Arizona for, but they don't have an accent no. in Phoenix. Well, they don't most have a southern I mean, accent. Most like larger, so. bigger cities or metropolitan areas don't have much of an accent, right? Because so. people are coming from everywhere to live there, so it's all kind of, you know, there's not like an Arizona, like a Phoenix accent. It's like. I don't know. Except for there is like a Boston accent and there is like a Long Island accent. That's true, but I mean, Boston and Long Island are small. They're still like bustling. I guess if, I don't know. There's like a Milwaukee accent, a Madison accent. There are accents, but I'm saying like you have to like be born and raised there in order to get any kind of accent and most of okay, those we're pla- moving to wisconsin oh. let's see if oh, we get an accent no. <laughs> i'm good i'm all set <laughs> okay so sh- back to this mm-hmm. sherry and phoenix mary remember i said sherry had her come uh-huh. live with her yeah so sherry and phoenix mary lived together for about a year sounds like and a limerick <laughs> mary moved out and the detectives were still like i'm not convinced like yeah the case is closed but Things are not adding up. Like, it's, I'm not convinced. So in 2017, Sherry was like, I need to know if Phoenix Mary is my sister. Mm-hmm. I need to know. So she went to visit Phoenix Mary in Missouri. They tracked her down in Missouri. And then at the time, Phoenix Mary had cancer. Oh, no. So she, like, went to visit her to talk to her, but she wasn't, she, like, wasn't feeling good enough to talk to her. Because mm-hmm. um, it was, like, late stage cancer. Oh, but shit. I guess she, then the people on like 48 hours, she let someone in to like interview her. Mm-hmm. And she said that she started calling herself Monica after she left home because she didn't want to be found. Okay. And she also gave them the name of a woman in California who had known her early on during her disappearance. Mm-hmm. And the woman met her when Mary was about 15. And she had had two young girls like around the same age at the time. And she took in Mary for like a year. 
what? You're not like, and where is this child coming from? You're like, okay, you can come in. Well, no, she probably like, she was a runaway. So she was probably like, hey, my life was really horrible. Mm. And she's like, well, I have two kids. And she said that they like loved Mary and Mary could have stayed like for as long as she wanted. She was, she wanted to like raise her basically wow. with her daughters. Like they all really got along well and they all loved each other. But then Mary left mm-hmm. for some reason. And then that she had like moved around a lot. And the reason that she got her Arizona ID was because she needed medical care. Mm. And a local nonprofit helped her track down her birth certificate. And that she, the reason why she had gaps in her memory was because she had been an alcoholic basically Uh. since she was like, a kid yeah that'll do that and she had had such a traumatic life like she was living she was just trying to survive like all those years so all that trauma like caused her to forget things and alcohol too Mm -hmm. and then she said that as for the email when she said that she was like living a lie basically she sent a follow-up email and she was like i don't know what i'm trying to say by like the last email Mm -hmm. i'm just like really confused right now and like at a loss And then the woman that she had been living with for a year when she was 15, she gave the police a picture that she had taken of Phoenix Mary at 15. Mm -hmm. And they used, they like went and took the picture to some like technological technology dude (coughs) or whatever Uh who does like face comparisons. Oh, yeah. And so he had like one of the last pictures taken of Mary before she disappeared. Then he had this picture of her at 15. And then he did the comparison, and then he said that there was a 99% chance that they were the same person. What? And they did DNA. I don't know if they did it again, but the DNA matched both the mother and the father. What? So it was the child of Charlotte and Charles. And the thing about, like, the shoe that they found, mm-hmm. it was, like, a really small shoe. It, like, fit in the detective's hand. It's not a 13-year-old. So it was for someone much smaller than a 13-year-old because Mary was, like, of average height. Yeah. So. What? So after all this came to light, Sherry was convinced that Mary was Mary. the real Mary. Uh-huh. But Mark Clark is still not that convinced. Uh-huh. And what did the cadaver dogs find? Right, and what was the whole incident of the poisoning of the dog? Like, so, like I don't know. It sounds like it would have been a really traumatic event that led her to run away, and she doesn't remember that. Well, she could have blocked it, or she said could that have. she remembers hitting. He, she remembers him slamming her head on the tub and on the table. So she could have had like a concussion. Yeah. She could have really like not held on to memories at that point, mm. just like you know. Well, I don't know. So, Uh is Phoenix Mary the real Mary? Who was buried in those backyards? Yes, yes. Why why was there cadaver smell? Phoenix Mary did die of cancer uh, in 2017, I think. Oh, shit. The mystery. What? That's where you're going to leave it? Yeah. You don't know? Some people believe that Phoenix Mary is Mary, like her sister is convinced now, but then other people aren't so sure. I mean, Phoenix Mary is for sure a sibling. Yeah. DNA proved that. And the pictures do look like when I saw the the ID card picture and the picture of like 13 year old Mary Day, I could see the resemblance. Like I thought 
either this family has like a very strong resemblance or well, because she kind of has like a one of her eyes is like a little bit smaller uh-huh. like a little it's like a little different mm. than the other one and then the adult mary had the same she had a very mm. similar facial structure and i was kind of like either but then you know like those strong yeah you know those families like we used to go mm-hmm. we went to school with where like where the kids all look the same yes they're like yeah. you know four girls all varying ages that look identical they're all identical i know oh. so i don't know and then it was kind of sad though because they have like a recorded conversation of phoenix mary on the phone with the detective and she's like basically like if i give you my dna and you're still not sure. Like, how do I prove that it's me? Mm. And then he's like, well, it'd be easier. Like, basically, if we had found a body, it would have been easier to prove that it was you than if you're still alive. It's, like, harder. And she's like, well, I don't know how to prove that it's me. Right. But the accent and the forgetting the code the word. weird. And the not knowing about the inheritance. Like, you'd think that when you turn 18, you'd probably be desperate for, like, money, right? So you'd think that you would... But if she's, like, trying really hard not to be found, yeah, cool, she wouldn't I'm go sure to, like... At, like, I mean, I don't know how inheritance works, but, like, I'm sure she would have had to, like, go through her mom or something to get to the... I don't... To well, get and to if the she didn't even know how to get her, like... If she hadn't been using her social security card, she obviously didn't have it. She's not been using mm-hmm. her number forever. She just found out how to get her birth certificate. Right. So how, like, how is she going to prove that it's her in the 90s or in the 80s to get that inheritance? How is she going to prove it's her? Man, that is so weird. Without, like, getting in contact with her mom, who right. she probably doesn't want to have contact with. And no, be like, hey, I her, need this information. If her mom's motto is, well, if she's dead, she's dead, then, yeah, I guess... Mm-hmm. And your stepfather's a psychopath and like mm-hmm. you got out alive, you wouldn't want to be in contact at all. Yep. But then I don't know, like if you're the oldest sibling and you know that your younger sibling is still there, I don't know. You'd like, I would think. Yeah, you'd but if your and... younger sibling is not being abused, if you're the only one that's being physically abused. But you don't think that it would then go to the next sibling? Well, if you're a 13-year-old kid and you've only ever seen yourself be abused, yeah. like no one else is getting abused, you're just trying to get out of there and like save your life, basically. That's true. Your stepdad has just like bashed your head in yeah. and you're like bleeding. You're just trying to get the fuck out. Oh, man. And she's run away so many times before. She's probably like, well, has if she I go actually, home, it's just going to be the like, same. Was it like verifiable that she actually had ran away a bunch? Like her sister said it or... Or is it just her being put in foster care all the time? Yeah, like I that don't know. Child keeps running away. Oh no, she's just in foster care because I'm a shitty mom. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Wow, I don't like that yeah. story because it leaves loose, loose threads, loose, loose ends. ends. I need them tied yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, if you want them tied up, then believe that Phoenix Mary is Mary. Uh... I mean, I feel like you could pick up an accent. I mean, if you're living in the South and you're trying to blend in and you're not trying to be like found out or whatever, how hard is it to pick up a Southern drawl, you know, and then just kind of get cemented in? I I don't know. Or if like if you've been an alcoholic since you were 13. Yeah. There's definitely going to be a lot of holes in your memory. Yeah, and you're forgetting like basically who you are. You're trying to just suppress all that shit because you don't want to be involved and like or associated with it. 
Right. And you have like a new name now and you can come up with your whole backstory, however you want it to be. Like you could, you know, say that you are from the South and then you could have your own story and you have the accent to go along with it. And then it just kind of gets cemented in. And then maybe you start to believe it. I mean, she must have had, if that was her, she must have had like a, a way with words or something. Like, I don't, I'm just trying to like fathom. And I know it happens that like adolescents run away and they, find a new life somewhere else but like i just how like you don't have money you have no resources well, you don't have an id the streets. she was just living on the streets getting by doing whatever yeah. she could to get by i guess yeah that's what you'd have to do but the the thing i don't understand is why i don't understand why she ran away from that woman who was like gonna take her in and, and raised her for like a year i don't understand why she left that home i mean probably she had like a support. bunch of things i mean it's probably like yeah. when you're constantly the victim of abuse you don't feel worthy of other people's like care or you might get suspicious of like why are they why are they doing this what's the ulterior motive like i got to get out and be on my own or you've been on your own for like a year or whatever and then it's like rules you don't want to have to follow and maybe or like you're around other people who haven't had the same life experience so they don't understand like right. how shitty life can be and i'm sure and you're you just like, like super depressed and you've got a myriad of like other yeah. mental emotional things going I know, on but she could have been so much better off if she just stayed in that family and she wouldn't have had such like a hard know. hard time but she might have because she's living in her own head and it might be like you know a bad place no matter where you are to be yeah yeah uh, so that's the story of the disappearance well, and maybe finding of mary day i hate that and fuck those i parents. know but it's also so intriguing though isn't it yes yes and those parents are pieces of shit yes the worst they're horrible yep some people shouldn't be allowed to be parents Mm-mm. not that like parents are perfect anyway, but some people are just, like, not capable of parenting. No. Like, that mother is not capable of mothering. No. No. Especially when your 13-year-old runs away, and it's like, well, oh, well. You don't report it. You don't go looking for her. You don't let your other children talk about her or, like, remember her. You destroy all the pictures of her. Well, I wonder if he's that abusive. Like, I wonder if... I wonder how much of it was her being complicit and how much of it was her just being a victim as well of him and his yeah but the history of the kids being taken out of the home all the time that's true before he even was there yeah Yeah, that's true that's just like i mean back in the day they probably took kids out of the home a lot quicker Mm -hmm. than now because like we've talked about the whole goal is to like keep the kids in the family and it takes a lot to get a kid taken out but still like if they're taken out multiple times Uh that means you've done something multiple times for them to be like you're not capable of taking care of these kids and the fact that they adopted one out Uh like she lost her parental rights to that child and how is for them to be able to like be adopted right and it's like well if she was able to lose her parental rights for that child Mm-hmm. how did she not lose it for the other kids other than maybe well the, the other, other ones w- just didn't find a home yeah i was gonna say maybe that family was just like we'll take her and th- yeah the mom was like good riddance we already got five we don't need another man what a weird story like yeah, what was right? the cadaver smell what was it 
did they bury a body and then move it to the other house? And then where did it go from there? Like there was a body. Yeah, something. A human body. Something died and was moved. And the, the, the chance that it was at both of their houses, like that can't be a coincidence, right? Like it had to be a body that they buried, like maybe some other kid or something. Yeah. Or maybe well, she had say, like I a mean, baby that she killed or, or miscarried or something. And then mm-hmm. they buried the baby and then they were like, well, we're going to take her with us. And then, and they dug it up and moved they, it. They, yeah. I mean, that's what I thought that it had to be like, like a baby or something, but it's still like, they just like, dug it up and moved it with them and then where is it now like how many houses did they take this body with them Ugh. what a weird story and the fact that like that the timing of it all where like mary disappears Mm -hmm. and then they're like don't go in that area of the yard because clearly we've buried a body but it wasn't mary's body but like whose body and what are the chances that you'd bury a body at the same time that your daughter goes missing Uh, so so weird suspicious and it sounds like, I mean, it sounds like if she had had like children from multiple affairs that she gave up plenty of children for mm-hmm. adoption. Like, why didn't she just give up those kids? I, I mean, I think she was maybe hoping for a paycheck or something. I don't know. Well, she kept collecting Mary's. Right. So she's getting that. And then mm-hmm. if she can figure out a way to like get them, get them to give her their inheritance. I mean, it seems like it's, I don't know. Like it. It's a convenience thing of like, we'll possibly get a payout, but... Well, the weird thing, though, is that I don't think that she... I don't think that she tried to get their inheritance, though, because it sounded like the other two were able to get theirs, you know, and just like Mary's was left untouched. So if if Mary like really had been murdered and she really was trying to get that inheritance, then she would have gone after it like decades before this all went down but it was still it was still available um, to her i mean unless that would have triggered some kind of investigation like oh you're taking yeah. it out well we need mary to sign like this is right. for her so well, she yeah. needs to be here but i'm just saying like if she if she was clever enough yeah. to find like a child of hers and charles and be like hey you can get the inheritance if you just like clear my name then she could have done that like years ago yeah uh, to get that know. inheritance money it's so it's weird so it's really weird i mean i guess you know like your ki- if your kid really did run away and you didn't care about her because you don't have like a motherly bone in your body and you just mm-hmm. really don't give a fuck and the checks keep coming then you're just gonna like keep cashing them and whatever and if she's dead she's dead it like doesn't really affect you in your life mm. you know so i could see it going that way but like whose body was in those graves i don't know the tossed salad and the scrambled egg. The tossed salad, a scrambled egg. The tossed salad. The tossed salad and the scrambled egg. A scrambled egg. So a tossed salad is someone who clearly knows right from wrong and chooses to do wrong anyway. Right, so the tossed salad has more components. The person is able to compartmentalize. And a scrambled egg is someone who can't tell right from wrong, and they're just completely scrambled. Just one component, one track mind. They're all kinds of mixed up. There's no focus. They're disorganized. Well, those parents are tossed salad pieces of shit. Yeah. They are 
if horrible if that really was mary i feel horrible for her that she couldn't like prove who she was yeah like, that's such a bizarre thing because even because like, then you she can't you are. she can't prove who she is so she can't even get to that inheritance to use it towards her medical bills well, if think- she could I think that she could, though, because technically the case was solved Uh, and technically she did prove who she was because she was able to get that birth certificate and she was able to get that ID card. So the end, the like the very end of her life, she was Mary again. So she probably she probably was able to claim the inheritance. But then it's like your own sisters don't your own sisters aren't sure if it's like really you. I mean, I would like to think that. I would recognize you if we were, even if we were well, separated. What if I came at, back with like a southern drawl, you know? I would be like, for sure, not her. <laughs> Take her back. Yeah. I mean, look at a picture of me when I'm 13, though, and look at me now. I look pretty much the same. The same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hope that I grew out of my ugly duckling a little bit, but I, you know, my braces are off now. Yes. So. You got that going. <laughs> yeah, I got that going. <laughs> And my skin has cleared up finally yeah. after 25, 26 years. Yeah. It only took like my whole adult, <laughs> early adult life to get rid of acne. But mm-hmm. so other than, I mean, I feel so like other I look than the that. same. <laughs> Just take off the braces and clear up the skin a little bit. No, yeah. I don't think that, I really, I don't think that people's faces change very much. Well, if you look at the pictures, I think, I think it looks like her. Uh-huh. I do think it looks like her. And the other sisters, I don't think, look like her. Mm, so it's not that strong. I mean, genes. they look related, but they don't, no, they don't look identical. Huh. I don't think. But then I think I got the other two sisters maybe mixed up. So I think they looked more similar than Mary looked. Huh. Yeah, you'd have to, you'd have to look at the pictures because I think when they did the comparison, I was like, that could totally be her. Or, yeah, like a sibling with a really strong resemblance. Hmm. Crazy though. Well, yeah. case closed, or is or it? Or is it? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! So many questions. So many. That's crazy. Well, I hope that if it was really Mary, which I think it, I think it was Mary. I hope that she got the inheritance. I hope that she. It's really awful that she got cancer. Yeah. And the last years of her life were probably really difficult and painful, but I hope that she got the inheritance to like help her cover medical costs and right. living costs and stuff. Ooh. Yeah. Yikes. It's just so weird that the one got adopted too. Yeah. I just thought that was so weird. And then they're like, Oh, go visit your family in New York. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. so weird. That's, like, but like you said, the seventies were a different time for the child protective for services and how they went about things. And apparently, just like not reporting a child runaway is totally normal. Well, the seventies were a different time because think of all the like serial killers and rapists that were like in Sacramento in particular, uh-huh. where it's like, first of all, it's like rampant all over mm-hmm. the United States. But then, for some reason, like three different rapists gather in Sacramento during the same years yeah like what yeah what the hell is happening yeah it's the 70s speaking of sacramento 
If you want to treat yourself this February, because Valentine's Day is coming up, or treat someone that you love to a nice little gift box, check out HumblebeeHerbal.com. They're going to be coming out with a lovely special Valentine's Day gift box and other special Valentine's Day things that you can only get until they sell out. Stay tuned for what they've got coming up. Treat yourself and your loved ones with something super nice and all organic. All natural. Zero waste. You can reuse the containers. The packaging is completely recyclable. It's good for the earth. It's good for your skin. It's good for us all. Check them out at HumbleBeeHerbal.com. Use code CRIMINY20 at checkout to get 20% off your first purchase. Um, Do you want me to tell you a pretty fucked Always. up tale? How fucked up? Oh, well, it's like, you know... A pretty regular fucked up, but then Uh there's, like, elements of, like, what? Kind of like mine? Kind of like yours. (gasps) Ooh, okay. Okay. Well, so I watched... It's mystery week. So I watched two documentaries on this. Um, Uh I'm going to tell you the title of the first documentary I watched, and that's going to give a lot away. But... Why would you tell me then? Because then I'm just going to jump into the story, and you're going to learn anyway. Okay, or you could save it for the end or the notes on the website, but go ahead. Well, okay, I watched a documentary called... I like surprises! Plug your ears. (laughs) 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 Fine, spoil the surprise. Fine. Fine. So I watched a documentary called The Cannibal That Walked Free, and I watched a Vice documentary, and then I got some information... Is this about that... Japanese dude. Yep. Oh! And I got some information from allthingsinteresting.com. I'm going to tell you the story of Issei Sagawa. So Issei Sagawa was born on April 26, 1949 in Kobe, Hyogo Prefecture, Japan, to wealthy parents. He was born prematurely and apparently was so small when he was born he could fit in his dad's hand. Oh, tiny. Oh, poor thing. Yeah, and he had a younger brother who was not born premature, and growing up through their childhood, they were both about the same height, same size. They looked like Um, twins. mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. By all reports, he had a great childhood. Both his parents were strict, but very loving and attentive, and they just wanted the best for their kids, and they, like, they had you know they didn't need anything they had everything provided for them right both the parents like i said very wealthy so no excuses no excuses no abuse no he had a gra- no reason to be horrible he said like his childhood was the best time of his life he him and his brother played pretend all the time and like went sure. on little adventures and like there's actually so they they were wealthy, so they had video cameras and stuff. And you can actually watch videos of him and his brother, like, playing mm-hmm. and the parents and all that stuff. Mm. Um, Issei said that they, him and his brother used to play this game with their uncle that they really liked playing. And it was kind of like, you know, you can't get me type thing where the uncle would pretend yeah. to be this cannibal that lived outside the village. And then he would come Fun. and he would chase the boys and then he would capture them and he would like pretend to make a big soup and like put them in a pot. And I mean, we used to play that because like Bugs Bunny. Yeah, you know, exactly. He's in the big like stew pot right. or whatever. But right. Usually kids play like monster or. Yeah, like they like to run away and. 
I mean, you know, I don't think he said I'm a cannibal, but it was like, I'm going to capture you and eat you. Whatever. Well, people do say weird things to babies. Yeah, they like, do. I'm going to eat you up. You're so eat cute. Those I'm going like, to bite yeah, your little exactly. legs. <laughs> Very cannibalistic. <laughs> like, <what the> <laughs> so pretty normal. There's got to be a better way to express your... And he said, like, he, I don't know what that is. He had they, they had a great time playing that game. They loved that game. They loved when the uncle would come over and play cannibal with them. <laughs> okay. Um, this is what messed him up. I guess. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because he was born prematurely, he did have a bunch of health issues that required, you know, him being in the hospital, which I guess can be yeah. very traumatic for a child. Yeah, definitely. And That's like your first experiences of life. Yeah. Just being in and out of a hospital. And then also because of that, he was very fragile. So yeah. he couldn't like play rough or anything. So he spent a lot of time reading. He really liked reading and he was really interested in literature. Um, while he, so then he you know grows up and he attended school in Kamakura, uh, Kanagawa Prefecture. And during that time, so this is like elementary school, during that time, he noticed an odd desire. At one point, a boy in his class was wearing shorts, and he, uh-huh. like, really liked the legs. He thought that that thigh looked delicious. And he's like a first what grader. What happened? Yeah, what? He really... Some people are like, just, like, born mm-hmm. different. I don't understand. And he also said that uh, you know, his parents were very strict and they never talked about sex with him. They ne- like, it was just never a topic. He didn't even see his parents like hold hands or kiss or anything. So he mm-hmm. said like, he started feeling, you know, you're going through puberty when you're younger. Not first grade, obviously mm-hmm. he's like older, but he's going through, okay. he's going, he's going through <laughs> puberty. And like, if he said like, thanks for reading the, my face. Yeah. The first time that he got an erection he thought that something was wrong and that something Uh-oh. was broken and like but he didn't Uh-oh. know you know he didn't have the language to explain what was okay. happening and he didn't want to tell his parents because he thought like oh maybe i broke myself or something happened right that's never good kind of like when girls get their period they don't know it's coming and they think they're dying yeah. because it's terrifying yeah. yeah yeah so let's talk to our kids guys <laughs> yeah things are gonna happen to Shit. them you need to let them know yeah <laughs> So he he started noticing, though, that he would become sexually aroused when he would, like, notice a leg that he thought was delicious. Somehow, eating and sexuality... Wires got crossed. Got crossed, yep. Something happened because he would basically say, like, he would have these intense desires that he wanted to eat someone... But if yeah. he masturbated, the desire would go away during that moment. And then, you know, it would right. slowly come back and then he would. But he's just he is just strengthening that neural connection mm-hmm. over and over again. Ugh. I mean, sometimes wires get crossed. So you just got to trim those little dendrites. <laughs> you can't keep reinforcing them. Yeah. Mm-mm. So dangerous. He- the object of his affections soon were quote unquote Western women because mm-hmm. he liked the idea of like a very, you know, a tall, strong, blonde haired, blue eyed woman, um, which to him was like the exact opposite of him because he always felt like he was very ugly and very small. He had like a very, okay. very small stature, very petite guy. And he, for some reason, thought that if he could consume 
a very strong woman. He could he be could a be, strong woman. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Or he could get their, like, essence of, like, the perfect ideal person, and then he could somehow be more desirable or something. Well, it's kind of like when you're Catholic and you eat the body of Christ to <laughs> make him a like part like of you. And then when you're like a cannibal and you eat people to yeah. make them a part of you uh-huh. forever, uh-huh. it's kind of that same. Yeah. It was a similar idea. That Jesus essence, uh, but in a tall, hot, blonde woman. Tall, hot, blonde <laughs> Jesus. Um, same hair, different beard. Um, yeah. in school, <laughs> In school, he was a really good student. He got like really good grades and he was still fascinated um, in literature. So he attended Waco University and eventually completed a master's degree in English literature at Kwansei Gakuen University. Crazy. While attending Waco or Waco University at the age of 24, he developed a crush on a tall German woman in his class. Uh-oh. One day after school, he followed her home and oh. he waited until nightfall and broke into her apartment while she was sleeping. Oh, he said that he just wanted to slice a bit of meat off of her butt no. or thigh and then leave, leaving her alive. No. He just wanted a snack. How are you going to pop in, slice <laughs> up someone, and then leave? What a sicko. He just wanted a taste of the delicious meat. This he had is been desiring for terrifying. so long. No. So he's in her house. He like. Oh God. Is like over her bed while she's asleep, and she immediately wakes up. Good. And she grabbed him because he's small. He's about right. four foot nine, like very thin, like probably a hundred pounds, wet, soaking wet, like very tiny. Um, okay. And she grabbed him and like basically grappled him and held him and called the cops. Good. The cops came and... That is terrifying. Yeah. And the cops came and they arrested him. And then you'd think like, oh, okay, he's going to get punished. Lesson learned. Whatever. For breaking into a woman's house? Well, remember, his parents are very wealthy. So his dad offered this woman money. When you like enable your children to be horrible, they're going to continue being horrible. Yeah. So the dad paid off the woman and said, like, don't press charges. Or we're going to give you a bunch of money. And she was like, okay, I'm fine. He's just a creepy, weird guy, broke in my house. But you're going to give me a bunch of money? All right. Well, and also, how was she to know that he was a cannibal? Right. So he said, because he got, initially he got charged with, like, uh, breaking and entering and, um, like, attempted robbery. Yeah. And that uh, they said that they also thought that he was going to try and rape her. Right. And so he said, like, he's like, well, that's not at all true. I was going in there to eat her, but he, I didn't say anything. He didn't say that, obviously. He was just like, I let them think. <laughs> I let them think that that's what it was because they're going to be like, what the fuck? he did say that. <laughs> yeah. No, no, don't worry. I wasn't doing any of that. I just wanted a snack. All I wanted was a little piece of her butt. That's all. <laughs> just a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-mm. So charges were dropped against him because. Horrible. She didn't press charges and she got paid off. In 1977. I mean, I understand, like, her taking the money. I understand, like, not knowing that he was going to try and eat you. Yeah. But the fact that his parents, like, stepped in Mm -hmm. after their child committed a crime. 
Yeah. Like that's such an invasion. Breaking into someone's house is a huge invasion. When they're there and asleep, that's even more of like an mm-hmm. invasion. And it's super dangerous and scary. Like they should never. Right. Rich parents shouldn't enable their children. No, you shouldn't be able to pay someone off. <laughs> I don't know. Uh-uh. But I mean, I think, you know, they were just hopeful that, oh, he's young. He just made a stupid mistake because up until then he had been very good. He'd ne- never gotten in trouble. He'd had good grades. He's like, you know. Yeah, but a stupid mistake is like. I'm just saying like it's, e- it's probably easier. from a store. Y- you know, you're a parent. A stupid mistake You're is a parent. Not... You're trying to talk yourself out of I it. You're not going to say that, your, but... your kid is out to like eat people. Well, I understand that, but I just feel like it's kind of like a big, it's kind of a big deal if your child like broke into someone else's house. I just Uh, think that that's kind of like a big deal. I agree 100%. I think like they need to face the consequences and realize that they can't do that shit. Yeah. But these parents were like, no, no, we don't want to get our, you know, also because they're wealthy. So I'm sure. So they're like up in higher society. So if his name gets dragged through the mud, their name gets dragged through the mud. So it's them, too. I mean, I'm not saying it's It's right. But that's. Yeah. Right. So in 1977, at the age of 27, um, he moved to Paris, France to pursue a Ph.D. in literature at the Sorbonne University. So nothing else happened between that? Nope. Okay. Except that he still had an unrelenting desire to eat a woman. I just feel like go seek psychological help if that's I mean, if that's what's driving you. There's, you know, it's the 70s. <laughs> I mean, even now, what would your counselor do? Uh, you should. If you want to go <laughs> eat people, do? just go to church and eat Jesus. Maybe some electroshock would help them rewire their brain. Maybe. I don't. Under- I mean, it's going to be like could even do. a lot of cognitive cognitive behavioral therapy to like try and reset how you react to things. Yeah, you've got to undo that connection. Um. So, Oof. you know, he's at university, and he was saying that his his desire had become almost unbearable. It was like overbearing. He tried to just masturbate and make it go away but it was like almost immediately the desire would come back couldn't you like i mean i've seen like japanese food art and it's like always super amazing couldn't you just like make a body out of some kind of food and <laughs> pretend like can't you pretend just get a bunch of tuna and like line it up in a yeah. body no he wanted he said that like he imagined I mean, they make very realistic it's not the same like he, other want, foods. he thinks it's going to be the best meat he's ever tasted what is that what is it it's so weird <laughs> he said that he didn't understand why nobody else felt that way like it was so normal to him that he was like i just can't understand how people don't want okay. to eat other people when it gets to the point where it feels very normal for you something like that you need help he said because clearly no one else is thinking that he said, it's simply a fetish. For example, if a normal... No, that's not simple. Listen, he said, for no. example, if a normal man fancied a girl, he'd naturally feel a desire to see her as often as possible, to be close to her, to smell her and kiss her, right? To me, eating is just an extension of that. <laughs> to smell her. Frankly, <laughs> I like, mmm, that meat smells good. Frankly, I can't fathom why any why everybody doesn't feel th- this urge to eat, to consume other people. So he's like also tying it to like love. Like he feels like you want you like fall in love with someone and like mm-hmm. the ultimate act of love. How could you love, not want to eat them? Yeah, is like you just want to eat How? just a little bit. You don't want to kill How? them. You just want a no. little 
eat. You just don't want to eat a How does that happen? I don't how, know. How does that connection happen? Like, listen, I understand the connection with like food and happiness and love. Mm-hmm. I love food. I love to eat. Food makes me happy. Do I see human beings as food that would make me happy? Hell no. How do those wires get crossed? I don't know. Love of another human being feels completely different than love of food. Not to him. Clearly, but how? (laughs) How? That's so, ugh, that's so weird. So, you know, he he really wanted to eat someone. Yeah, but you stop yourself from doing but, it. I don't care like, how much you want to eat someone. But like I said, it's tied to, you know, his sexuality and his view of love. So he didn't want to just eat anyone. He wanted to like... Then be abstinent. You know, n- n- no, it's not going to work for him. But, you know, he didn't really have much luck in the dating world because, as he said, he was very ugly and the opposite of what beautiful women wanted. I don't think that's it. I think he's just weird. Yeah. It's a I think he's probably thing. super creepy. It, yes, he's very creepy. Maybe he's going after these like tall, beautiful women who maybe aren't like drawn to him. But if he were to go for people but who he, are like more on his level. Well, and he's also like, I mean, I think like 90%, at least for me, 90% of attraction is confidence. So like he is like so not confident about anything. Yeah. He has the worst self-esteem. Like he talks about himself like he's just a piece of shit and that like no one would even look twice at him. And it's like, well, yeah, no one's going to want to be friend that or try and date that. What's the point? That's like yeah. so lame. Unappealing. And like, okay, yeah. maybe you're Plus not the most, probably... you're not the most physically attractive person, but if you have a great personality and you have like confidence then like people are gonna be like creepy and weird and obsessed with like eating people (laughs) well that's his problem it would go a long way (laughs) (laughs) if you could just not think Uh, about eating people that'd be great so obviously like he's not dating people but he still had this desire and um so he decided that like he was going to invite sex workers to his house and maybe he could kill one of them and try it. Lovely. <laughs> Cause no yeah. other woman is coming to his house. So he's got to pay them, to come <laughs> in, you know, that's horrible. And he said that I'm going to prey on these poor women. Every time he would have a sex worker over, mm-hmm. he would pull out his 22 caliber rifle, which no. he had purchased in France. What are gun laws like? I don't know. I mean, I don't know what it was in the 70s. Hmm. But he w- he was able to buy a rifle and he would pull it out and aim it at the back of their head. And so Fun. it was like, it was unclear. I couldn't really find much about whether they knew this was happening or <laughs> if like, he's just like, look out the window and look at the view. And well, then he's just like. Well, how big is a 22 sneak- caliber? Well, it's a rifle. So, so it's, it's like long. a long gun. Yeah. yeah. So he's like pulling out a rifle. I don't think you sneak rifle, that out. And then he's like, oh, nothing. Never mind. Just putting it away. I don't know. I don't think you can be sneaking And I'm assuming that. like because they're sex workers, they're not reporting, you know, being threatened with a gun or whatever. So there wasn't right. really information on what exactly happened other than he said he would pull the gun out and decide like, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And he said for some reason, every time his fingers would freeze up and then he couldn't pull the trigger. 
So he would like, yeah, away because and... you're trying to murder someone. <laughs> that's like, a, that's a normal human response is to not want to murder someone. <laughs> well, that's the thing. He doesn't want to murder them. He just wants to eat them. <laughs> no, those are not. Those are the same. Mm, those aren't exclusive are of they? each other. Can't you just Ew, take just a little gonna, like, nibble off the top? No, I'm just going to take like a limb. No. <laughs> Well, no, you just, like, take a little piece of the butt. <laughs> I don't know. No. He obviously couldn't figure that out to make it work for him. <laughs> <laughs> so he's in school and trying to work himself up to being able to eat someone and inviting sex workers over and then chickening out and then mm-hmm. all this. And at one point, he ended up befriending a woman in his class named Renee Hartvelt, who was a Dutch woman, and she was also studying at this university. Um, And Dutch people are so tall. Yes, she was like his ideal. Seeing their bicycles like lined up, I couldn't (laughs) even imagine like jumping on one of those bicycles. They were so tall. Yeah, like she was tall people an ideal woman for him. He like yeah. sketched her in, while he was like in class. Oh God. Um, and they kind of became friends because obviously she sees him as this like unassuming, very like slight man who mm-hmm. was friendly with her. And like they had, they had gone out to dinner a couple times. Like not like for her, it wasn't a date. It was like a friend go like out. A colleague, yeah. Basically. Someone go out and like they yeah. would study together and, you know, help each other with their homework or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but to him, he was like, oh, she's super hot and delicious looking. Uh... So on June 11th, 1981, Issa, now 32, invited Renee over to his house for some dinner. And it was kind of normal. And he told her that he needed help with an assignment so Renee spoke three languages, one of them being German, Damn. and he told her that he needed help translating a poem into German for a class or that he was like, there was a poem in German and he needed help like translating mm-hmm. it or something about something about a poem and German. He needed her special he needed her, skills. Yeah. And she was like, mm-hmm. sure. Like, we've done this a bunch of times. going to go over mm. and help. They had dinner. Japanese style, you know, they like sat on the floor and like had their dinner. Mm-hmm. And at one point he confessed his feelings for her. And she was like, oh, uh, oh, you know, I really care about you. But like as a friend, I'm not mm-hmm. really interested in dating you. And I think, you know. Yeah. And he was like, all right, that's fine. And I don't want to be your dinner. I'm not interested in being consumed. <laughs> but she didn't know that. So she didn't ask that or say that. Uh-huh. So they're on the floor eating dinner, and then he was like, okay, well, if you want to, can we, like, work on my poem or whatever? So he gave her the book of poetry and had her sit at his desk, which was, like, facing a window. So she had her back to him, and he was like, I'm going to tape record you reading the poem because I need to be able to practice saying it or something. Or, like, Uh I need it for class tape recorded. So he starts recording her, and she starts reciting the poem, and he pulled out his gun and he shot her in the back of the head. Oh, God, this poor woman. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. He said that he fainted immediately after shooting her due to shock that he had actually Why did done he it. shoot her? Shitty person. Uh-huh. 
He said that when he woke up, he realized what he had done and that there was no going back. He said, I thought about calling an ambulance, but then I thought, hang on, don't be stupid. You've been dreaming about this for 32 years and now it's actually happening. Oh my God. So he was finally going to experience what he had been dreaming and fantasizing about for years. This piece of shit. He said that he, after killing her or after waking up, he like immediately tried to take a bite out of her. Oh. But didn't realize that it was c- kind of hard just to take a bite out of someone. And uh, he was gonna, yeah, he's gonna need a knife. So we had to leave. He's not a shark. He had to go like buy a but like a not a butcher knife, but like a a knife that could actually cut into her because he d- didn't have anything at his house. <laughs> so he that, okay. Yep. Is that not weird to you? Like he's fantasized about eating people, but he doesn't even well, have he, like knives. In his he house? literally assumed that he could just go and take a bite. He could just sink his teeth in. Has he never touched skin before? <laughs> well, probably not. No one wants him to touch them. He's Why creepy. Why does he try and eat himself? <laughs> Why is he trying to like hurt other people? Because he's not a desirable meat. You can touch your own. Le- you can bite your own leg. Why wouldn't he like try that first? <laughs> well, he didn't. So he's kind of an idiot. Yeah. And a shitty person. Yeah. So he gets his knife and he decides like, oh, I'm going to go for the butt first because that looks like the best, most delicious piece of meat. What is with cannibals and butts? <laughs> I mean, it's a good, good, big, big, big it's piece of meat. It's a fatty part, though. Well, so uh, once again, okay. he had like no <laughs> knowledge of human anatomy because he said that when he first cut into her, mm. it it surprised him what he saw. He expected to just like cut in and see red meat. But instead, he was greeted by what he described as a sweet corn-like substance, which, of course, is fat. Uh-huh. And he said that, like, he kept cutting deeper and deeper, but it was just more corn substance. Uh, yeah. And then he finally saw the red meat. I can't handle this. I'm queasy. Okay. But he like couldn't really get it out with his knife very well. So he this just. This poor woman. <sighs> so he just reached in with his hand and with his fingers, he pulled a chunk of meat out and he immediately put it in his mouth. I'm sorry. I'm going to vomit. And he said it was the best thing he had ever tasted. Like it totally lived up to what he dreamed. He said that it melted in his mouth like raw tuna. <laughs> Do you need a bucket? Yeah, this is awful. This is so awful. He then, of course, had sex with her corpse. (sighs) No! And he said that he felt so much love for her. No, he didn't because he murdered her. He he, ended her life. And he kissed her and told her that he loved her. No. And (laughs) he did say that his only regret was that he couldn't eat her while she was still alive cuz like i said Locked he him up immediately he would he didn't want to hurt her he just wanted to eat her he said what i truly wished was to eat her living flesh and nobody believes me but my ultimate intention was to eat her not necessarily to kill her those aren't exclusive like the, that's the same like you can't <laughs> eat someone and not kill them <laughs> think of the pain and the infections and you can't just like tear their meat bits off and expect them to like be okay <laughs> and love you back like what is happening uh-huh. Ugh, he i then, hate this he then cut off one of her breasts do and, you really need to keep going and he baked it 
He said he didn't yeah, really he didn't really like the exactly he didn't really like the end result because he didn't know that he thought it was just another. How piece do of you meat. not know? Well, he's that never. Boobs are I mean, I'm sure he's never touched a boob before. Okay, but you can see them like jiggling around. There's not I mean, much there's there. There's a lot of misinformation about people's anatomy. Let's just say. Oh my god. Our, our schooling system is not the best. So. Ours or theirs? I think Both. just in general. It seems like everyone. Everyone needs an anatomy lesson. Yeah. So he said that like the baked boob was too greasy and it wasn't any like anything he had imagined it. So he was this like, is horrible. I'm good on that. And then he was like, all right, nighty night, dear. And he brought her corpse no. to bed and cuddled with her all night and slept really well. And the next day he, he decided like, okay, the corpse is going to start smelling soon. So I've got to process all this meat this is horrible so he began to butcher the meat and during no this he whole... began to tear apart this poor woman's body yeah and during this whole process he took pictures he documented every piece of it and he cut up he cut as much meat off the body as he could and wrapped them in paper and put them in his fridge and then he realized well shoot i'm gonna have to do something with the rest of the body because i can't just have it here yeah. So he went to town and he bought two suitcases and he came home and he cut up the body and, you know, decapitated her and mm-hmm. divvied up the body parts into two suitcases. And he decided that he what he was going to do was take these suitcases to a nearby lake and, you know, put them in the lake. They're not going to, like, float and be easily discovered. I mean, has any of this been intelligent? <laughs> no. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Because it gets worse. I mean, not, okay. but, like, for his plan. Like, stupider? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So we called a taxi to his apartment because he doesn't have a car. <laughs> uh-huh. And the cab driver said that it was really weird because it was this very tiny, tiny man dragging these big suitcases that he like could barely, he was like struggling, dragging them to the cab and the cab driver grabbed them to put in the trunk. And he like jokingly was like, man, these are heavy. What do you got in there? A dead body? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And he's like, um, and the driver assumed, you know, this guy has got two suitcases. He probably wants to go to the train station or the airport yeah. or something. But Issei was like, I want to go to Bulls de Ballon, which is like a large public park that had a lake. And oh the driver's God. like, okay, yeah, weirdo. Okay, a public lake. So I'm going to take you mm-hmm. to the lake. And he drives him to the lake. And it's like the middle of the day. Well, here's the thing. It was eve- It was the nighttime. But okay. it was summer, so it was still, <laughs> so light, still out. light So Issei oh, said God. that he was hoping to use the cover of night to do this. But once he got to the park and realized that there were a bunch of people still out enjoying mm-hmm. the park and it was still daylight. It was a beautiful summer evening. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That like he thought about backing out, but then he was like, well, I'm already here. I got to like go through with this plan because How hard where is else am I going like, to go? Oh, with actually, these... <laughs> I've oh made a God. mistake. I'm at the train station, not uh, the park. Oh, my God. So he like gets out of the cab and starts dragging his suitcases towards the lake. And he's like so conspicuous because uh-huh. he's like this tiny, tiny little Japanese yep. man in, in Paris. Paris with two huge suitcases dragging them in front of everyone towards the lake. Towards the lake. <laughs> oh my god! How did he think this was gonna go? 
I mean, he lives in a fantasy in his head. Yeah. So uh, at one point when he's like almost to the water, he's like exhausted so he's like i'm gonna take a break so he like (laughs) he like you know dropped the suitcases and he kind of sat underneath a tree maybe like 10 feet from the suitcases and he's just like chilling there also he didn't want to like drag them into the lake right now while it was light out he was hoping that like the sun would go down and then probably go and look in them or whatever i'd be like you can't throw garbage (laughs) in our fucking lake So he's sitting there resting and an older gentleman saw the suitcases and asked Issei if they were his. Because he's sitting far enough away from right. them to they make were it like, look like they maybe weren't. Right. They were <gasps> like, oh, weird. These two suitcases just appeared. Are, are these yours? And he said, I don't know why I said this, but I told him that, nope, they weren't mine. I don't know whose they were. They were just there. And so the guy was like, huh, and started opening up the suitcase <gasps> And, of course, saw a dead body. Oh, no. And he, was, he screamed and was like, someone got to, you know, someone call the police. Uh-huh. And meanwhile, Issei just stood up slowly and casually walked away. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. So police get there and they're like, what the fuck? It, like, yes. what? I mean, this is a big city, but shit like this does not happen. There aren't just bodies in suitcases that are chopped up. Yes. And, like, obviously pieces are missing. Yeah. Oh, my God. And because of the way that her body was cut up, they couldn't identify it was her. I mean, she wasn't reporting. I don't think she was reported missing yet or anything. So they were just like, we don't know who this is. It's just a random dead body. Um, But luckily, you know, it was during the light time of the day like there was uh-huh. light out so there were witnesses that noticed yes. this tiny man dragging these suitcases and yeah. they noticed that he had been dropped off by a taxi so the police were able <sighs> to call up the taxi services and be like does anybody like remember a taxi yeah basically <laughs> like does anybody remember dropping off a tiny man with two big suitcases by the lake and the cab driver that did it was like yes i definitely remember that it was so bizarre yeah. of course i remember yes. that and they were like, well, where did you pick him up from? And he was able to take them right to where he had picked him up. And, you know, because nobody else fit the description of Issei, they were able to locate his apartment very quickly and they arrested him. Mm-hmm. It only took them four days to find him. And he immediately confessed saying, I killed four her. Four days after the body was found? Yeah. Okay. He immediately confessed saying, I killed her to eat her flesh, which... Like, that makes a difference. Mm-hmm. In the apartment, they found the fridge stuffed full of meat mm. or human. Yes, poor woman. There was also an unfinished plate of cooked meat on the counter. <sighs> and so he, you know, he's taken into custody. Of course, he contacts his parents and his father hired him the best lawyer money could buy. Why? Your son just murdered and ate a poor, like student fellow student this poor mm-hmm. woman so during can't the- you just be like okay fuck off <laughs> like that's it we're not related anymore goodbye you can but then like i said again all that can fall back on the parents of like oh yeah, but it happened all the way in paris it's kind of like it would get back to them uh, for sure it's still gonna get back that your son is like a murderer and cannibal well if you can get him a good lawyer that can get him off then he oh. wouldn't have a record Fuck that guy. Mm-hmm. 
So Issei spent two years waiting for his trial, and during that time, he was psychologically evaluated. Yeah. And the psychologists found him to be legally insane. Therefore, in accordance to French law, he was not eligible to stand trial. Interesting. Yeah. They were basically like, we can't, you can't, like, that's, it's wrong to try an insane right. person. They didn't know what well, they were doing. Well, I wonder doing. what their, like, what their qualifications are. Yeah, well, he made the cut. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I do think that he is not part of this shared World, reality. Yeah. But he had to have known that he was doing wrong. He doesn't feel like that way. Like I said, the only his only regret is that he killed her. Other than that, like he doesn't feel like his. Well, isn't that something? Like he knew that he shouldn't have killed her. But it was like a means to an end for him. No, that's still not okay. If you know that you shouldn't have killed someone, and you know that you killed someone, of course I believe that. But like this is what he's saying. I don't think that you're insane. Well, Judge Jean Louis Brugier ordered him to be held indefinitely in a mental institution. Okay. But the French public were like, hell no, we're not footing the bill for this bitch coming into our territory, killing yeah. our people, and Renee and her family get zero justice. Yes. Fuck you. Yeah. So because of that, and they, uh, the French government decided that they were just going to deport Asai back to Japan. Okay. Um, so that he can be taken care of by his own people. And he was also instructed, or he was basically banned from France. He was never allowed to set foot in France ever again. Go back to yeah. Japan. We don't want to hear from you. Right. So he gets on a plane and heads back to Japan. And his father knew that the publicity from from Paris would get back to Japan. Yeah, obviously that's kind of a big story. So they wanted to make it look like it was all being taken care of. So... The family invited, like, you know, all the news media to come to the airport mm-hmm. and his plane lands and he, it's one of those little planes where like the steps fold down and he like walks right. off the plane. And as soon as he got off the plane, there was like an ambulance waiting for him and he was like taken in by medical staff. They were like, okay, he's being taken to the mental institution. We don't have to mm-hmm. worry about him. Like we're doing right by, you know, we're by him or, or by us. We're, he's not going to be yeah. like wandering around. But no, but <laughs> what the public didn't know was that no charges were ever filed against him in Japan since the case in France was dropped since he yeah. was unfit to stand trial, which meant that his record from France was sealed and not released to the Japanese government. So when he entered his country, he entered as a free mm-hmm. man. Ugh. So he was taken to the yeah. hospital, but he wasn't actually officially committed. He was able to sign yeah, him. Yeah, but he clearly needs to be committed. Obviously. So, like, I understand I understand that. That's really shitty that, like, since the case was dropped, they can't, like, hold him or whatever. Mm-hmm. But they know what he did. How are they not able to, like, put him in there... Well, because they think against his court, will. Be, that, well, that's why the dad hired all the publicity people to come out, like to do. Um, you know, they can write up articles and on the news and stuff that, like, oh, he's being transported here. We know what he did yeah. in France. 
he's going to a mental institution where he's going to live out his days. Yes, but I guess the fact that his parents are still supporting him through this, Mm -hmm. it's like... Insane. It's insane. They're insane. Mm -hmm. And then I think, I feel like there's like a big part of like being held criminally insane. So yeah, like you aren't responsible for what you did, but you still have to be locked up. Definitely. I think there's something to that. Right. But this was like a huge loophole because he was never actually charged yeah, in Japan. fucked up. So he was able to just sign himself out of the hospital like a few days later. But like no one really knew because, you know, they did the whole publicity stunt. stunt. Everyone's like satisfied. Like, oh, good. Like, he's, he's gone, gone away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look, he's yeah. been booked there. He's signed in or whatever. Okay. Right. So as a free man, he lived alone in an apartment, I'm sure paid for by his parents. Sure. He, this is weird. He became somewhat of a celebrity in Japan. Mm-hmm. He ended up writing about 20 books, Mm-mm. most of which depict his crime and See, his they need to desires. have that thing where you can't, you can't make, make money mm-hmm. off your crime like mm-hmm. we have here. Like, that's so fucked up. This poor woman's family has no justice, and now you're a celebrity because you murdered their child. I saw, and you're like making money off of off of her murder. On one of the documentaries, they this one person said an interesting thing that like because, and this is not an excuse, but obviously, but because his victim was a Western woman, they were able Mm -hmm. to separate the like they they said basically if it was a japanese woman they feel like there would have been more consequence for him more backlash but because it was easier to separate from Mm -hmm. the reality of like this like mysterious western woman that we don't really know about and we're you know it's easier to distance yourself from and she was probably like the only friend he had ever had probably so it sounds like she was just like a really lovely kind person Mm mm-hmm and now he's murdered her and they don't give a fuck. Yeah. Disgusting. Yeah. A lot of the books that he did are illustrated by him. Ugh. And between 1986 and 1997, he was frequently invited to be a guest speaker and commentator for various events. How? Who gives a fuck what he has to say? People were fascinated by him. He's a shitty person who has like a mental illness. Like, uh-huh. fucking, he should have been locked up because he's dangerous. Yep. Why? Why do you give a fuck what he has to say? I don't know. It's like this weird celebrity I that don't he understand. has there. He also appeared in a couple exploitation films in which he reenacts his crime. How? This is so disrespectful and disgusting. At one point, he. He hired a sex worker and filmed their whole, like, romp. And then after they had sex, he told her, because she didn't know who he was somehow, and he basically described in great detail what he had done to Renee. And it's on film. Like, you can watch him telling her this, and she's just, like, completely shocked. Nobody watch any of that. Nobody give him any attention. Fuck this guy. It's so weird because he's, like, very, you know, he, he, like, he's... I don't know how to describe it. He's just very meek and slight and like Mm -hmm. he never raises his voice. He talks very calmly and like very like, like he doesn't come off to me at least as being manipulative. Like he comes off Mm -hmm. as like, this is my genuine true self and I don't understand why other people aren't like me. 
Well, why would he have to be manipulative? He's never had to hide who he is. His That's parents true. just always pay people off so he can just be himself. And why would there be anything wrong with how he is? He's gotten away with everything. Mm-hmm. And now he has like the celebrity for just like exploiting this horrible thing that he's done yep. and everyone's like supporting him. Yep. So there's no reason for him to be like, oh, this is a horrible thing that I did. Instead, it's like, well, like I did this thing and why is not everyone do it? It's been great for me. He, yeah. Mm-hmm. He has also written articles for newspapers and restaurant reviews. Gross. <laughs> why is he a celebrity? Why is he able to do that? That's just. I don't know. He ended someone's life. At one point, he was almost invited back to France to attend a university by a professor who was very impressed by his writing abilities and the fact that he applied using his real name. He was like, wow, this guy's got balls like applying here, who even cares? though he's not, you know, supposed to be here. Who but, cares? But then other employees at the school were like, uh, no, hell no. You're not yeah, inviting him that here. that guy. Issei Sagawa has been the subject of many books, documentaries, songs, and magazine articles. People are just fascinated by this guy. In 2005, both of his parents died from different things, but like relatively close in time. Mm-hmm. He was not allowed to attend their funeral, but was able to repay some debts that they owed, like money that he made from his book deals and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then he was moved into public housing in one of the documentaries, you he like gives you a tour of his house, and his bedroom is like that of a young teenage boy. Gross. He's got like stuffed animals, and you know he's got books on shelves, and he's got these huge posters all along his wall of like beautiful I mean, women. I was gonna say books on shelves. That's kind of it's kind of normal, but yeah, <laughs> the posters is pretty teenagery. Yeah, like huge posters of women, and now they're Japanese women because he's trying. He's like, I you know I'm over my fantasy of Western women. Now I feel I think that Japanese women are the most beautiful, and I'm mm-hmm. like focusing on them, which to me just means like, well, you have more access to them here, so you got to start liking this. Yeah. Also, you're trying to like blend in. Yeah. Yep. More by be like, no, no, I'm attracted to Japanese women. But then it's like, isn't that scary for all the Japanese women? Then I'm sure. I would be terrified. Because before it's like, like you said, if you can separate from it and be like, uh-huh. well, I'm not like a tall white woman. Yeah. So with he's not going to go after eyes. me. Yeah, but now it's like, fuck. How is that like reassuring? Why would he? Ugh, he I also, don't understand. He also had trinkets all throughout his house from his travels because he's like a jet setter. Uh, he apparently. How is he allowed to leave the country? Uh-huh. Well, he's a free man. He hasn't been charged with anything. <sighs> he apparently befriended two women, two Western women, who. I don't, I mean, during the time of the documentary, he was like taking trips with them around the world and he would foot the bill. He'd pay for everything for them and they would just accompany him and they were like, all right. And they would, yeah, you know, he had pictures of trips around the world. Yeah, for sure. He had pictures of them in Iceland and like other countries and hanging out with them. And aren't you a little bit afraid that he's going to sneak into your room and kill you at night and eat you? Well, I guess at first they didn't know what he had done in the past. They didn't know his history. He was just like this weird dude that was like, I'll pay. That's cool. You just have to like hang out with me and we're cool. Yeah. 
But then he eventually told them, but I guess like by that time it had been far enough in the past that they were like, doesn't bother us somehow. Plus we're together. I'm assuming like, well, we're together. Like, is he going to attack both of us? And he doesn't have a gun. He's definitely not strong enough to take us on unless he has a gun. No, still no. He's also, he's also taken up painting and paints mostly portraits of women. No, he like, this is what happens when you don't face any consequences for the shit that you do. Like then there's no consequence. You can do whatever the hell you want. You can be as creepy and weird and mm-hmm. whatever as you want. Yep. Ugh. There's like, where's the justice? The story sucks. This where's the justice yeah. for this poor woman and her family? That's why it's, I mean, kind of an interesting case because obviously a horrible thing has been committed an act horrible act has been committed and nobody is facing any kind of consequence for it um and i guess like because of him and people being like uh you're creepy and weird when his parents Mm -hmm. were alive a lot of people stopped wanting to work with his parents so they ended up losing a lot of their money and they were actually pretty poor towards the end which is why he had to like pay some of their debts and so all that of them trying to protect him led to their demise which is why you can't do shit like that if you have a shitty kid who's doing shitty things let them face the shitty consequences yeah i agree he said that being forced to make a living while being a known murderer and cannibal was a terrible punishment in itself because nobody, Bull like, she was very lonely. No one wanted to talk to him, Bull even though shit. he's like, oh, woe is him. Oh, pity him. <laughs> even though he's he like murdered someone writing. And it was hard for him to make a living. Yeah. Fuck off. Even though he's like, well, because like, I guess everything he he couldn't just get a normal job. He had to like write his he books have been about out his murder. In public. He should have been locked up. Of course. Yeah. But then it goes to show like if he is actually insane, obviously, like prison is not going to help you have to you know you need like mental help but like how do you help someone that's i don't know he should have been kept in the hospital Mm -hmm. like they said they were going to do he should have remained there for the rest of his life yeah seek getting psychological help and this fucking woe is me bullshit is infuriating Uh uh-huh uh-huh fuck right off i don't care if you had trouble making money because you're a murderer you're a fucking murderer Mm mm-hmm in 2013, he was hospitalized from a cerebral infarction, which permanently damaged his nervous system and caused him to need daily assistance, which was provided by his brother and the occasional caregivers that would come and go. His wow. brother also said that, like, Asai's um, horrible crimes affected his life. Like, he wasn't able to get, like, real work. And, right. you know, he's... Well, that's the thing. Yeah, it like tarnishes their whole Mm -hmm. name or whatever. But if they had actually let him just be locked up, then yeah, maybe their reputation would have been kind of shitty. But then they wouldn't have lost jobs because they're not like looking out for him. They're like, yeah, we agree. We don't know what happened. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know how the Japanese culture is. And I know that like a lot of. Uh, they have like a lot of like honor. Right. I was going to say, I know it's like very important. I think that the children are like, um, uh, you know branches off the parents and if the children do something bad it brings a lot of shame to the family yeah but 
like there's got to be some way to kind of, of be course. like, well, we're like on your side. Don't, we don't yeah. know what went wrong. Yeah, but I mean, we I, didn't realize that playing cannibal at a young age would turn <laughs> him into a cannibal. Like, who would guess that would happen? No. How many kids play like monster or whatever and don't turn into a monster? Plenty. <laughs> yeah. He claimed that he regretted murdering Renee and that doing so not only destroyed her life, but also her family's lives and his family's lives. And he said that he's not cured and that these fantasies about eating other people are still very prevalent. And like he said so that to it's... me, it sounds like, yeah, maybe he has like mental illness going uh-huh. on, which clearly he does. But he knows right from wrong if he could regret killing her. Mm-hmm. And if he's aware enough to know that he still has these like. But crazy I don't think fantasies. that he's I don't think that he regrets killing her like he's he believes that eating her was definitely like the right thing to do because he wanted to do it forever. But it's like now he's realizing it, how much it affected like his family, that it probably affected her family too. Like, I don't yes. know that he sees her but death. If in all this time you've had control over this like crazy desire that you've had, then you had control all along and you never had to act on it. Well, he basically was like trying to control it is, is almost physically painful and then now, go through physical pain. Then that's what you do. Now, since he had all the nerve damage, he said that um, he can no longer masturbate to relieve the the. Uh, oh my god! Need. More pity, pity him. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's like just a constant need. And he said the desire to eat people becomes so intense around June when women start wearing less and showing more skin. Just today, I saw a girl with a really nice derriere on my way to the train station. When I see things like that, I think about wanting to eat someone again before I die. What I'm saying is, I can't bear the thought of leaving this life without ever tasting that derriere that I saw this morning or her thighs. He's throwing up major warning signs. (laughs) Yeah, he said, I want to eat them again while I'm alive so that I can at least be satisfied when I die. He even has a plan on what to do with the meat the next time he gets it. He said, I think either sukiyaki or shabu shabu, lightly boiled thin slices, is the best way to go in order to really savor the natural flavor of the meat. (laughs) Lost for words? I have no words. I I have no words. Uh Uh-huh. So what the fuck? The tossed salad and the scrambled egg. A tossed salad, a scrambled egg. You don't think he's a scrambled egg? You think he's more of a tossed salad? Yeah, because okay, people have desires to do crazy shit all the time and you don't do it. Like you just don't do it. And he clearly hasn't he hasn't like murdered again, even though he really, really wants to. He hasn't done it again for like how many Excuse years? Excuse me, I'm sorry. So he, he doesn't has... want to murder again. He just wants to eat a little bit of someone. If someone could well, just look, give him a he, little thigh piece. He has had self control for this long. He never ever had but to it's murder hard. anyone. Yeah. Fuck <laughs> him. I don't think he's scrambled. I think that he has some severe like mental mm. illness going on, but I think that he know that he's able to control himself. I think he has self-control. It's not like, I feel like for for if you're scrambled, like, it's not just that you can justify your murder. Mm-hmm. It's more of like you really don't know what's happening or you think that that person is like 
not a person or I don't know. I think that there's like a different or it's like a life or death situation for him. He's just justifying his murder. Right. And it's like, I don't know like, how much oh, I didn't really mean to kill her, but I had to. And I don't know how much of that uh, of that has to do with, like you said, him not being punished at any point. So he there there's like, well, I don't understand why I have to feel sorry about this because yeah. I've basically been able to like write books and do all this stuff and people are interviewing me and people are like still interested in me so mm-hmm. it must not have been that bad i don't understand no, why there's people no are... there was no no ever consequence there was mm-hmm. no slap on the wrist there was never any like you shouldn't have done this it was just like well you did this we don't want you in our country so go back home and then he's back at home and he's like oh it's really hard for me to like work and find a job because i like did this thing that everyone's like talking to me about but it's like really hard for me and it's mm-hmm. always like back to him and how it's like hard for him. He's just like a spoiled rotten brat. Yeah. Who murdered this poor innocent woman and faced no consequences. It's I don't it, think that it's his, that he's scrambled. I think it's that he that he's never had to face what he's done in a negative way. Sure. I mean the few times that he's done something terrible his parents bailed him out and him being like oh it made my family's life harder and it probably Mm -hmm. made her family's life harder and it made my life harder so now i wish that i didn't do it because it made my life harder where it's like no right and him being like oh consequence enough for making my life harder you murdered someone yeah you ended her life Mm -hmm. you destroyed her family's life and you're like oh the only reason i regret it because life got hard for me yeah. Fuck off. Yeah. I hate him. <laughs> yeah, he's a I don't think he's scrambled. I think he's tossed as fuck. I mean, I don't want to like, you know, support obviously not support him, but like if you can watch any of those documentaries or just like a piece of them, it's interesting just to see him talk and his mannerisms because like I said he the way that he explains things is very matter of fact and very like, I don't understand. Like I have this sickness and they said they were going to cure me and no one's cured me. And I feel like this desire is like overpowering and you know, I'm still sick and they, but like, I don't feel like I'm sick because to me it's totally normal to feel this way. It's the way I felt my entire life. Yeah. But that's like any mental, right? It's excuses. Like you were saying, It's like, yeah, this is my normal. Mm -hmm. This is like my normal. Like my normal is depression. But I don't expect everyone else to feel depressed all the time. Right. Like that's not an excuse. And I know that like sometimes it's like, how are people not affected by this thing that I'm affected by? But I'm not like, oh, since they're not, there's something wrong with them because it's my normal. I don't know. But it's also like a way to like, put it on someone else because he's like well you know they were supposed to put me in an institution and like fix my brain and no one did anything for me yeah and now i'm out here yeah Yeah, no you're not getting it and now i can't masturbate so the urge is more prevalent and women are wearing shorts and i don't know what to do with myself i'm i'm just just getting a bunch of ketchup get a fridge full of mustard and ketchup just waiting why don't you chop off your own balls and eat them? Maybe that would help you. Mm, I don't think they'd be the right consistency that he's going for. <laughs> Ugh, I hate him. Yeah. Yeah. I hate him. Real piece of shit. But never punished. What the fuck? He's living free. This is like, okay. 
Here's another PSA for all you out there with children. <coughs> you have to teach your children empathy and consequences. Yes. I know you love your kids and they're wonderful and they can do no wrong. But if they don't have consequences for their actions and you're not teaching them empathy, we're going to end up with more cannibals. Yeah. If you catch your kid eating someone, you best <laughs> you best get them arrested or something. I don't know. And maybe let's like not talk about how we want to eat babies anymore because that's that's yeah. always been kind of weird to me. And I'm just so cute. I want to eat you up. I don't know where it came from. But I don't know, that's... but you're gonna make cannibals. They're gonna want yeah. That's uh, how their they uncle happen, to cook so. them in a stew, and then they're gonna want to eat ladies' legs. Oh, oh yeah. That was horrible. There's like so many pictures from this case because he took pictures and then the cops took pictures and then mm. like he's, like I said, he's well, been interviewed another, a bunch of times. That's just like another, like every time that these pictures like surface or every time he's interviewed, that's just more and more pain for her family. Mm-hmm. That he's getting more and more attention, still not being punished and they lost their child yep. or sister or yeah, and she was just whatever, going to like friends. She was just going know? to school to better her life, and she was like, "I mean, how know. exciting! You're going to school in a different country mm-hmm. to like get an advanced degree, and you like meet someone that you're like think you're friends with, and you guys can like help each other with assignments yeah. and and someone who's like, I mean, especially as, as like a single woman in a foreign country, if you're making you know friends with, I mean, you just see this guy, and he's just like not a threat at all." It's like this guy. Well, and also he's like not from there, so you have like right. that connection where you're both kind of like, both hey, new. we're not from here. We're both experiencing yeah, he's like pretty it. unassuming. Very. She unassuming. felt like he he like told her his feelings, and she felt safe being like, yeah, no, I don't feel that way, and, but I'm gonna stay here and like still work with you. But yeah, exactly. She was like, oh, a friend, and completely unassuming like this guy couldn't hurt a fly he's literally like i could literally pick him up literally could not hurt a fly because he's so weak he was like yes he's so tiny and just like you could pick him up with one hand and like throw him across the room like you could you as your small i know i'm pretty small and that's like smaller than me so that's like tiny yeah yeah Hey, look, I'm getting stronger because oh, good. I can pick up the five-gallon water bottle now. Whoa. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And I poured the five-gallon water bottle into another five-gallon water bottle. <laughs> Why? <laughs> well, because mom would let me take half the water and she oh. was going to take half the water. So Whoa. I had to like aim Whoa. and balance and hold. I'm like really strong now. Damn, girl, you ripped. Mm-hmm. Shit. Don't tell Zachary though, because I don't want to keep pouring. Oh, it's very no. heavy. It's a good thing he doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> I know. <laughs> good thing he hates murder. <laughs> I mean, we all hate murder, but. But shh, don't He's tell, a sensitive boy. He is. He is. Anyway, I'm just, I'm just really strong now, so watch out. Wow. <laughs> just really strong. I'm just like really strong. Don't be coming around me like four or nine. 100 pounds trying to eat my butt because well first of all you're not gonna like it there's plenty of creamed corn up in here ew Ew. when they were like talking about that not know that fat's in there like that's all it is yeah i mean you got your gluteus maximus and gluteus minimus or whatever it is i don't know if those are the names but i don't know but there's a whole lot of corn yeah those are deep under the 
disgusting. The jiggly layers. <laughs> Ew. In the documentary when they were talking about that, they like showed a bowl of corn. I'm like, Ew! <laughs> <laughs> That's fucked. I mean, I don't eat creamed corn, but mm. I sure as hell won't start anytime soon. <laughs> Ugh. Gross. Yeah, so that was terrible. <sighs> that was horrible. You know what, though? Like, yours and mine, they neither of them really had, like, resolution at nope, the end. Exactly. That sucks. <laughs> One unsatisfying day. <laughs> no. Jeez. You have some crime in sake? Check out our sponsor, Humblebee Herbal, at humblebeeherbal.com. Check out their all-natural skincare products. They got bath and body products. They got stuff for your face. They got stuff for dudes. They got good stuff. Got stuff Check for everyone. Out. Chemical free, all natural, all good, all the time. Super awesome. It smells amazing. And you won't regret it. Check them out at <laughs> Humblebee Herbal. That's H U M B L E B E E H E R B A L dot com. Code CRIMINY20 at checkout for 20% off your first order. You won't regret it. You won't regret it. It's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> and now for the portion that we like to call Criminy Six, where we tell you silly stories about crime that make you forget the terrible things we just told you. I got this story from policemag.com. Two men were arrested in Santa Rosa County, Florida, Saturday. Because <laughs> you had me. Because you you're going to be like, Santa like, Rosa, right oh! near me. <laughs> nope, Florida. Saturday, okay. after law enforcement officers said they found illegal drugs in a bag labeled bag full of drugs. <laughs> the, men, the men were pulled over by a state trooper for allegedly speeding 25 miles over the limit. Santa Rosa canine deputies recently assisted FHP on a traffic stop on I-10 where a large amount of narcotics was discovered. Do er, Note to self, do not traffic your illegal narcotics in a bag labeled bag full of drugs. Our canine... Well, that's how I label all my drugs. <laughs> says our canines can read, a Facebook post from the Santa Rosa County Sheriff's <laughs> Office said. The, nar- the narcotics and other contraband found reportedly included 75 grams of methamphetamines, 1.36 kilograms of GHB, 1 gram of cocaine, Ooh. 3.6 grams of fentanyl, and 15 MDMA Ooh. tablets and drug paraphernalia, according to CNN. Whoa. That's quite the bag of drugs. <laughs> bag of drugs. Ooh. Um, okay, this one is from... I don't even... Uh, 963xke.com. I'm assuming it's a radio station. <laughs> Someone called the cops in Franklin, New Jersey on Monday night about a woman driving with two flat tires. It turned Ooh. out to be a 44-year-old woman named Sheila Celitano, and she was driving drunk and barefoot. When the cops tried to arrest her, she ran away and then, quote, karate kicked both of them in the chest. <laughs> She was so drunk that they called an ambulance and Sheila kicked the EMT in the stomach, too. And I'm amazed she could, like, balance on one foot to karate kick three times. Here's the twist. Back in 2018, Sheila was also arrested and she also karate kicked those cops. 
She also and it worked out so well that she did it again. <laughs> yeah, she all she was hit with several charges this time around, including driving while intoxicated, aggravated assault on an officer, and aggravated assault on an EMT. Karate kick your way out of crime. <laughs> <laughs> Works every time. Also, I didn't. I mean, I feel like we've talked about this before, but I didn't realize it was illegal to drive barefoot until like a few years ago. I didn't realize it was illegal. I thought it was frowned upon. I think it's illegal. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, it makes sense, though, if you do step on something barefoot. Well, it, it makes your your feet tire out faster if you don't have a shoe. Does it? Yeah. Because with the shoe, huh. you can just lean the shoe on the the gas or whatever. But with How a, heavy is your shoe? <laughs> what? You, you don't have huge what? shoes? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. It's uh, just not a good idea to drive barefoot. I guess. Um, okay. And I have one more from News. Unless you're a dad in the 70s and you ride your motorcycle barefoot. Uh, flip flops. Flip flops. Oh, he did have flip flops. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> like that's, <gonna> protect <laughs> that's the only anything. protection. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. So this one is from Newser. A Facebook post by the California Highway Patrol in South Sacramento uses <gasps> uses no fewer than four poop emojis in telling this story for good reason. It seems oh, no. that in the wee hours of Monday morning, a driver called police to say he'd crashed into a pond on, on a dairy farm somewhere near the city of Elk Grove. Turns out it was a storage pond for manure. Reports the Sacramento Bee. Luckily, the driver wasn't hurt, but the manure had pretty well filled up the vehicle by the time authorities arrived. Worse, the CHP says the unidentified guy had spent an hour trying to get out of the pond himself before realizing it was futile and calling for help. At which point, it took about 50 minutes for the local fire department to find him. As KCRA points out, that's two hours the driver spent in liquefied excrement. Then <laughs> then came the perfect end to his night. Troopers charged the driver with DUI when he was finally freed. <laughs> oh, they were probably like, you take him in your car. No, you take him in your car. <laughs> yeah. I'm not taking him down there. Call an ambulance. They can take him. We don't want him. <laughs> Get the firemen here. They can like spray him down with their hose. So Gross. let that be a lesson to you. Do not go driving around drunk in Elk Grove. You're going to end up in a poop pond. I didn't even know that they had those. Oh, me either, but apparently they do. Why would you keep it liquid? (laughs) I don't know. Maybe they use it for like fertilizer and shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know when you just drive by like a cow farm, it stinks. Yeah. Or like I remember being younger and mom would get like a bag of manure for the garden and it would just be like, oh, do you need to use that? It's so gross. (laughs) (laughs) yep wow way to go sack yeah yeah trapping all those dui people in poop ponds oh he's like swimming and shit oh they couldn't find him he was covered well that car is totaled (laughs) yeah there's no getting the smell out of those seats (laughs) Ew, gross. Well, thanks for listening this week. And rate, review, subscribe. Check out our Instagram. 
check out our sponsor, Humblebee Herbal, and stay out of poop lakes, everyone. And we will speak at you next week with another horrible story or three to <laughs> tell you. And um, yeah, thanks for hanging in there and listening to us. We really, really, really appreciate our listeners. And mm-hmm. we hope you are all being safe and being sane. Yeah. And just trying to get by in this crazy world without eating just people. Be nice to each other. Yes. Just be nice to each other. Just be nice. And to the planet and the animals. And mm-hmm. just be nice. Just yeah, be that's nice. good. Just be nice. Okay. All right. Goodbye. Bye. There are two of them walking outside right now. They went to base to base. Snippet or baby, guys. Yeah, they got the gray bottoms and the white tops. Eat those toes. Mom's calling.